1: Miller for three. Ow! Oh, he banked it in. He banked it in, and the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly.
0: Yes. T.J. Warren
1: is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to <laughs> <laughs> win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let Got it. Go. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony <laughs> Denies him at the rim.
0: Harris Levert, people don't realize how good he really is. Levert skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes, passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson
1: turns, fires, and hits! Oh, wow. Turner bring that smoke! It flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I am your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined today by my co-host, Michael J. Focci. Focci, how's it going, man?
3: Pretty good, pretty good. I mean, a mixed bag of results over the weekend. The Pacers get a win against the Thunder, which you didn't want, maybe. And then, you know, came back down to reality against the Dallas Mavericks. So uh, a little bit of both, but hey, at the end of the day, uh, it's always just fun watching the boys on TV.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. Dallas has been playing a lot better of late. You know, it was an emotional return for Rick Carlisle. I'm sure you guys saw the videos all over social media of Rick Carlisle getting emotional watching that tribute video, which I think the Dallas Mavericks did a terrific job of that, and uh, the Pacers posted a picture of it, and I was going to tweet about it, but I was like, yeah, people might think this is weird, but uh, I was looking at the tears rolling off Rick Carlisle's face, and you could actually see a tear on his Adam's apple. So, I mean, definitely an emotional game for him. Pacers coming off the second half of a back-to-back. It was three games and four nights. And the Mavericks had two days rest. So, you know, definitely a scheduled loss there, if you want to call it that. But, you know, even if it wouldn't have been a scheduled loss, I just think this Mavericks team is significantly more talented than this Pacers team.
3: Yeah, look, they're more talented, but they're also hitting their stride. I mean, over the last, like, month and a half, they're one of the top defensive units in the league. Um, so, you know, they hold the Pacers to 105, but they also score 132 themselves. So you can just see, like, they're a very balanced team right now. And they did that without Tim Hardaway Jr., Porzingis barely even played. So look, the Mavs, they're they're, I don't want to say they're on a different level than us, but you see what the Pacers are dealing with now already without a couple of starters. You know, you had, I was honestly, were you surprised that Duarte and Sabonis played? Because it would have been reasonable if they didn't play.
2: Yeah, I was more so surprised Duarte played over Sabonis. Um, you know, I know Sabonis did play the overtime and, and whatnot, but you know, he's a he's a gamer. But I thought the way that Duarte kind of rolled that. And, you know, in the fourth quarter, I think he stepped on Dort's foot. It was just like, oh, okay. like uh, I wouldn't expect him to come back for the Mavericks game. But apparently it wasn't that serious. So that's a good thing. So I'm I'm, I'm not like too worried about it. But at the same time, I was a little bit nervous just because this is a young guy you want to see grow. But you don't want to see him play through injury at this point in the season.
3: Exactly. It's just crazy that I'm thinking Sabonis is, you know, he returns against the Thunder, which, you know, that game meant more to him given that the Thunder traded him. Um, But, you know, great performance, but he plays like 42 minutes in the game. Now I'm wondering, like, "Ah, is it really smart to play him in the back-to-back? Like, you wonder that, and then he still nearly puts up a triple-double. 21 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists. He does it on 8 of 10 shooting. So just shows not only is this guy a gamer, but, man, he is just really good. But overall, I mean, one other, you know, bright takeaway, the play of Dwayne Washington Jr. lately has been really, really good. Dwayne puts in 22 points. He does it on 9 of 17 shooting. Over his last, like, four games or so, he's averaging nearly 15 points per game. In the one game, we're only at 5. It was uh, 5 points. He played significantly less minutes, only 9 minutes against OKC. So when this guy's getting a chance lately, he's producing.
2: Yeah, I actually really enjoyed what he had to say at the press conference. He just really talked about staying ready and knowing that he has that not-a-good-defender mark to his name and, and really wanting to prove that he can be a good defender. So you know what? I've been... Mean, I've been kind of critical a little bit of Dwayne Washington Jr. and not buying into the hype, you know, as a full time role player. But man, this guy gets his shots up quick, Foch, and I mean he mm-hmm. doesn't. I mean he he shoots very streaky. We get that, but I love how quick his release is, and when he's going, man, he is somebody that can really put the hurting on the other team offensively, just because of what he can put in the basket. You know, the game against the Pelicans, I mean, he was keeping the Pacers in it. So I just I, I think that the Pacers, if you think about it, they've hit on Isaiah Jackson for what we think so far. They definitely yeah. hit on Duarte to get Dwayne Washington Jr. undrafted. They hit on him. And I think Kiefer Sykes, for what he's been asked to do, they hit on him. So I would say this year's rookie class and Terry Taylor, once again, another guy that looks pretty promising for, you know, being an undersized big man. I mean, I, I really feel like the Pacers have done a much better job with the, the young players they brought in this year.
3: Completely agree. I mean, when you start to look back at the Cassius Stanleys and the Mita Brimas and, you
2: know, <laughs> Ikeani Bogu. I, I'm trying
3: to, exactly exactly like those type of guys you start to just be like man I'm Brian Bowen I mean those are guys that the Pacers just completely woofed on or really just did not bring much to the table you look at Dwayne Washington Jr and he's already surpassed all of those guys I mean yeah. really has expectations were super low I really didn't even think obviously in a perfect world if things were going right Dwayne Washington Jr really wouldn't even be playing any any more than just blowouts and he showed that he's way better than that. So, yeah, awesome find for the Pacers.
2: Absolutely, you. Well, today it is Mailbag Podcast day, and so as we look forward to that, I just want to apologize to all of our Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit, you know, listeners and followers of the of the Mailbag Podcast. But we had over twenty five questions today just from Twitter, so we decided we cannot keep putting out like seven eight episodes of Mailbag just because we're running out of time. So. What we're going to try to do is maybe by the end of the week, do an extra special mailbag podcast for just Reddit and Instagram followers. But today we're just doing Twitter questions, so I apologize. No offense to anybody, but wanted to let you guys know that up front. And of course, I've been getting emails. I keep seeing that we're getting more ratings and reviews. So please, if you've left left us a five-star rating or review, please send me a screenshot of that too. NBA at gmail.com, whether it's Spotify or Apple, and I will make sure I put you into our contest. But, Faji, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with these questions. All right, we're going to jump right into the mailbag. First question comes from Dalton Chubb. He said, do you think there's any chance we'll be disappointed on the trade deadline day with the Pacers making no deals? I think there's a high chance we're disappointed. I think we're likely disappointed because the idea
3: of the trade deadline, I feel like it's always better than the reality, or at least for the Pacers' sake. Um, trade, NBA trade deadline tends to be a lot more fun than like the NFL trade deadline. But I, I think that, you know, we hope that we make a move, at least trading Levert. But I feel like it could also end up being on the smaller side. Like maybe it's trading Justin Holiday for you know a couple second-round picks, or maybe it's like buying out Lamb. So uh set yourself up for the potential for disappointment.
2: Uh, I'm not gonna be as pessimistic as Fachi about that. I think it's gonna be more like 37% we don't make a trade, you know, then whatever the rest of that is 63% that we do. I think I hope I think that there's more of a chance we make a trade. Now look, I get that you might be disappointed with who they trade or what they get back, but I definitely think they will make a deal. I, I would be completely stunned if they did not. Now look, Karis Leverse is not helping himself. At all. The last four games since he's returned from injury, Faji, he's been absolutely terrible. Yep. Um, I looked up his stats. 13.3 points per game, five assists, four and a half rebounds, shooting 31.6% Ooh. from the field, 33 from three, and 57.9 from the free throw line. He's a minus 53 in the last four games. So Karis LeVert has not been playing great basketball, and I'm sure a lot of that minus 53 is inflated by the Hornets game. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. But with that being said, um, you look at what he did against the Lakers, he missed the next two games with a calf injury, and then he's come back playing bad. Hopefully that calf injury is not serious, but it seems like maybe it could be lingering. I don't know, Funch.
3: I'm not really sure, but I, I do think that Lavert is most likely to be moved. After that, it depends because your expectations, I mean, if you're expecting a star to come into Indiana through the trade deadline, you're going to be disappointed. So <laughs> put it that way. So it all depends what you're looking for, Dalton.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I want to say this real quick, too, before we move on to the next question. The big thing is you're not going to get back a superstar level player if you're trading away guys that you don't even want on your team. So the Pacers are 13th in the Eastern Conference, and they're trying to sell off on some of these guys. Like, we don't have any all-stars. We're really trying to move other than maybe Sabonis. So everybody else is just a a role player in the NBA. And if you're trading role players in the NBA, the most you're going to get back is another role player, or a potential young player that's buried on their ter- current team's roster. But anyway, with that being said, Fauci, question number two.
3: All right, coming from Pacers faithful. Uh, the top projected draft picks are fours and fives. Have Jackson and Brissett shown enough to be given the keys at the, at the four uh, at this point? So uh, as to influence the draft choice, i.e., is it worth trading back for a different position like Ivy or Davis in parentheses if they end up in that position? Uh, Alex, you start first.
2: Yeah, I, I think at this point, if you're at the top of the draft, you got to take the best player available. Um, Isaiah Jackson's a 23rd overall pick, and O'Shea Brissett, he was taken, you know, or maybe he was 22nd. Excuse me, O'Shea was undrafted, right? Or yep, yep, mm-hmm. yeah, undrafted free agent. So, yeah, they're good players, but no, they're not good enough to to even consider not drafting a Jabari Smith or uh, Paulo Banquero. So these are two guys to me that are like, they could change your franchise. Look, I think Isaiah Jackson at best could be a marginal starter at points, but O'Shea Bursette's a good player. I I still think he's just a good role player, not a superstar, not a star, not a guy that you're really banking on to be consistent 82 games of the year. So for me, Foch, that's how I would look at it. Now, if you like Ivy and you end up getting him in in a draft and whatever, then sure, you know, Johnny Davis, same player, you know, I think Ivy's, a couple notches above Johnny Davis overall in talent. But, you know, I don't think it's worth trading back just because you're sold on the two guys you have already.
3: Yeah, look, I would say while O'Shea has flesh and talent at times, he's still only under contract for one more year. And I don't think that he should factor into who we draft. I do think that we have something potentially, you know, potentially special in Isaiah Jackson. In my opinion, I feel like, He's done all he can to produce in the playing time that he's given. However, just like you mentioned, best player available, we cannot be looking to pass up a potential franchise changing player because we already have Isaiah Jackson, you know, on the team. So, yeah. I feel like this could be a great draft to trade down a few spots if the package is right. Like we can get an extra first rounder and a talented young player and we could stay inside the top 8. But I feel like the guys that we mentioned, O'Shea, Isaiah Jackson, I don't think that they should be influencing a potential franchise-changing player.
2: I completely agree, Fudge.
3: So there's one more part of the question. Said said, uh, with Lance's 10-day nearing an end, how severe do you think the ramifications would be between the front office and the fan base if the Pacers do not give him a contract for the rest of the year?
2: Yeah, I don't think fans are going to be happy, but at the same time, you know, I don't think that Carlisle has, you know, he's given Lance a little bit of the green light here and there, but it's been really inconsistent. Um, You know, I think Lance is the best, you know, best suited at point guard. And we're going to get into those questions later about Lance at the point guard position. But, you know, I think that the fans will be really disappointed because still he probably gets the loudest cheer when it comes to guys coming in off the bench. So I don't think the front office necessarily will not bring him back. I know Scott Agnes did kind of say he doesn't think it's like a guarantee they will, but with that being said, you just have to kind of see what they do uh, during, during the trade deadline week and, and see if there's a way they can keep him on the roster. But I don't think um, – in terms of the fan base in the front office, the fans will get over it, I think, eventually. But, you know, the front office, they haven't done themselves any favors the last couple of years.
3: Yeah, look, I think it would be a blow to the fan base. But given it is his third time as a Pacer, and this year is already a disaster – I feel like it's just something where the fans are already mad about a few different things. So this would just kind of add it to the list. And I feel like the Pacers can get the signing done. It's a small gesture. Keep them through the year. But, like, I don't think this is going to be the reason why some fans are saying, you know what? I'm done with this team.
2: Yeah. No, no. I agree with you, Fachi. It's, um, it's a tough spot to be in if you're Kevin Pritchard. You know what I'm saying? You know, you brought him in here for a certain reason. You probably brought him in there to get the fans back on track a little bit. But I, I think that that juice has died a little bit. I don't think it's nearly as exciting, especially considering the Pacers are 4-11 and 11 in the month of January. So uh, let's move on. Our next question is a three-parter. comes from Tell the Truth. He said, love the podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you very much for that. He said, in your opinion, is it better to trade both bigs for draft picks and completely rebuild or move one and Karis and retool? I don't see any trades that would put us – top three and f- three or four in the east and feel like trades would keep us mediocre
3: you're right I mean I don't see many trades at all that would honestly even bump us to the top six in the east this year um I don't think that we should trade both bigs I think that we should trade Turner and levert and then also you could look at trading you know your other say a Justin holiday or a Tory Craig one of those type of players because I don't think that levert fits in this in the team's plans long term yeah I think Turner I think Turner needs a fresh start. I think Isaiah and Goga need more playing time. Um, and then Turner is also entering the final year of his contract next year. So I think we can get enough assets back from Lavert, such as like a first and a promising young player, instead of like the two firsts that we're asking, which is just absurd. Um, so I, I think that if we can also get a first and a young player for Turner, you're talking about bringing in two first round picks, potentially – Two promising young players. I think at that point, that's a good return that you'll still have the kind of the core of this team. So, um, you know, basically, I I would just say don't panic and trade both bigs.
2: Yeah, I think, I think what Tell the Truth is trying to get at here a little bit is basically saying if we uh try to just move one of Karis. And or move Karras and one of the bigs and retool that is going to keep us mediocre because, you know, like we just like I just said, Karras and Turner, they're role players. So they're not going to get you back like superstar level players. Where, you know, if you did look at maybe trading Sabonis, there's a possibility somebody overpays for them. You know, I know a lot of conversations we've had have been around looking at Washington, which they don't have a whole lot. And then Sacramento, obviously, you know, they're trying to upgrade their roster. So personally, for me, it's just like, look, and this roster right now is flawed. I think that you can make moves going forward. I think, you know, you can move Malcolm in the offseason. I think it's a very very possible situation to happen based on who they draft. But, you know, you're going to get a good draft pick this year. I think if you're able to trade Turner and LaVert and get some young players back, they might fit the team a little bit better in in what Rick Carlisle wants to do moving forward. So I think that would be the better way to go instead of completely trying to rebuild because you know, you could easily get two draft picks in here, three draft picks, whatever it is, and miss on all of them. And then you're really, you're still at the bottom of the barrel. So for me personally, Fachi, I don't necessarily think that you should have to trade your top beautiful trade assets right now without including our young rookies just to try to rebuild this thing because it's it's something that I don't think is going to happen based on everything we've heard from Herb Simon.
3: Yeah, look, they're not going to tear it down. I just don't think that there's a move out there that's just going to get us like right back into the upper echelon of the the East. So it's going to be very tough. I mean, you could miss on all the picks, but the picks could also be your best way of getting better if you can't lure equal talent there or, you know, good enough talent. Mm -hmm. So it's a tough spot. But we did have one more question from Tell the Truth. He's got
2: two more, actually. Two more. Is it possible Miles is being held out to ensure he does not get injured before the trade deadline and he is not that hurt?
3: I think it's a little bit of both. Here's what I'll say I do think that Miles is actually hurt. However, I do feel that the Pacers want to be extra careful with him because this year, more than others, it actually felt like he was probably going to be moved. I know he's been rumored to be moved for like what at least like three years now. Horrible timing on the injury. I think they want to take it slow with him, but. I think they also want to make it known when a positive medical report comes out to the league to let them know, Hey, Turner, he's going to be ready soon. Hopefully that could boost his value back up.
2: Yeah. I think one thing that's really interesting is when we first got the initial report that he was you know, going to be out, they did a scan that Tuesday and said they will be reevaluated in two weeks. Well, they went ahead and pushed that reevaluation up to a Thursday prior to that Tuesday. So you're talking about five days sooner than what they had planned on doing. And that's why they put out that, Hey, he had a good result. So, yeah, I could definitely see them like being really like cautious with it in terms of like what do you have exactly? And and we know stress reactions, they can be all different sorts of things. We just don't know the, the details of it because the feet are very weird. So personally for me, I think that it's somewhere in between here, Fachi. I don't think that he's like not hurt and they're just trying to like make sure he's healthy. But I, I also think that it's probably not as severe as some people are thinking it is. And I think he could easily be ready to play. Maybe not after the trade deadline, but a couple of day, a couple of weeks after, maybe the All Star break. I think really he could be fine and ready to go at a hundred percent. So, uh, anything else on that?
3: No, no. I think they just there's no need to rush him back before he's ready in a, a season where
2: we're not going anywhere. Yeah, and I mean, we'll see what happens, but I do think that if he is not traded by the deadline. Uh, you will see him get back into that starting lineup and you won't see a go go much on the floor. But let's move on. Pacer fans have been uh, fortunate to not be at the bottom or have to stay there for long. Could it be that with other teams rising in the East, it's just our time to see what the bottom feels like for a couple of years?
3: I mean, no one, you know, it's not like we're, oh, hey, it's our turn to take, you know, take a feel at it at the bottom. But I just feel like. I don't think we're going to be there for a couple of years, but you know, you never know, but the front office, honestly, they take too much pride in at least being a playoff team or a play in team to ever do a full on rebuild and be bad for years. I mean, teams like the Cavs went through a long rebuild, but look at them now. I mean, they were uh, another day, a game and a half out of first in the East with a balanced team of young players, as well as, you know, some other, you know, more established players like a Kevin Love and, I feel like, man, they're going in a really great direction, but it's finally our time to, I feel like, make some tough decisions and stop waiting and start moving on because that that ideal starting five that we hope to see, we're probably never going to see it.
2: Yeah, and a lot of these teams that have taken that jump too, they've all gotten high draft picks. I mean, look at Charlotte Lamelo Ball. You look at the Knicks; they got RJ Barrett. I know they've come back to earth a little bit, but. Go to the Hawks. They've gotten John Collins. They got DeAndre Hunter. I mean, uh, John Collins is a later pick, but they got Trey Young, too. That's what I meant. Uh, In the West,
3: the Grizzlies, look at them.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's kind of what it comes down to. Sometimes you just have to hit on your draft picks and the teams that have elevated, like Cleveland, you know, they got Darius Garland. They got Evan Mobley. They, they were able to get into that uh, Pacers trade there with the Nets and the Rockets and the James Harden deal to get Jared Allen. So, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, the way you go about building your team a lot of times is through the draft. And then being very strategic when it comes to making trades. So, you know, if they hit on their draft pick this year, yeah, they could, that could really catapult them up the list in terms of getting better, especially if you, if you at least appreciate some of the pieces they already have on the roster. I think that's what gets overblown a little bit. Like, oh, this team sucks. No, they don't suck at all. They don't play well together. But I think if you get the right pieces and keep the right pieces, you know, you've got a good core here and a good coaching staff. So, I don't think we'll be bottom dwellers for very long, but, you know, maybe another year or two at the bottom. I just can't see it with Rick Carlisle being here uh, in terms of what he would prefer and how they will go about building this roster, Fauci.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't. I can't just see us being like a, such a sorry team, you know, competing for a top three pick, you know, a couple of years in a row. It just feels like the Pacers will find a way to squeak out to be like at worst, like, in the play-in area after like a full off season, you know, this year. But, you know, that's not really where a lot of people want to be. So it depends mm-hmm. on which direction the franchise is finally willing to take.
2: Absolutely. Well, let's move on to our next question here, Fudge.
3: So we have, uh, I believe it's Stefan Wheeler. Uh, it could be Steven, but I believe it's Stefan. Um, is the trade deadline less important than playing the youth and ensuring every chance for our pick to be a top five pick?
2: That's a good question. Um, you know, I I think you're probably onto something that probably is less important than playing the youth and ensuring every chance. But, you know, I I think in order for us to play the youth, you're going to have to move these players to the deadline because I just don't envision Carlisle or the coaching staff, not trying to win games, not playing their veterans to let the youth really, you know, get some run consistently when everybody's healthy come, you know, you know, March or, or February. I think, April, when they kind of see where they're at, maybe they go into more of that kind of like, hey, we're going to give them a month to develop. But I think you have a better chance of getting them to develop if you do make trades. But um, overall, I would say that it's more important right now, uh, you know, to, to establish what you – or at least see what you have with this youth movement and uh, make sure you know how to build your roster moving forward.
3: Yeah, I, I'm similar to you. I'm basically saying the trade deadline is super important in enabling us to be able to play with the youth because we, there's some guys that are – that are you know, clogging up the positions, clogging up playing time. So we need to be able to trade some guys in order to truly be able to give you know guys like Goga and Isaiah and Dwayne Washington the ample playing time that they need. So a top five pick, in my opinion, is more important because I feel like that can – I don't know. It's tough. I feel like that top five pick is going to be one of the most important picks the Pacers have ever had. But yeah. I think we can only really achieve that if we are sellers.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, the second part of this question, did you ask that one yet?
3: No. So uh, he said, who could we legit trade for on that talent level?
2: I'm assuming a top five pick that we could trade for. Is that what he's asking?
3: I, I, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he just means like, who can we actually trade for that has like significant talent? I assume.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at a top-five talent, I would have to say, like, because he was a top-five pick, it's Isaac Okoro, like maybe him, uh, maybe Colin Sexton, because he was in that range, right? You know, I, I mean, based on who's on the roster right now, I just don't think there's anybody. Like, our best player is Demonte Sabonis, so moving him, sure, you, you might get some stuff back, but today's NBA centers are probably the least important position. They're important if you can do multiple things, which Sabonis can, but I still think it's like the least important position. So it's got to be uh, – it's got to be more of a uh, thing where we can get our players who are more guard-driven, more wing-driven. And I think a coral makes sense on that. And then um, I'm trying to think of anybody else besides Colin Sexton. Maybe maybe Obi Toppin. I really don't know, Foch. Yeah,
3: I had a similar – I was kind of thinking the same type of thing you're thinking is like look, don't expect the Pacers to bring in a borderline all-star level talent unless you're trading Domas, which – I don't think the Pacers are going to trade him. Um, and then it still it feels like those rumors have started to die down from a few other teams like oh is, is Dallas still interested or you know what about the the Kings it sounds like they don't want a deal to deal Aaron Fox and they they're, they but they want the bonus so it, I don't think a deal is going to happen there. So then you start to look at trying to hit on one of those players that uh you know, maybe they have that potential left, like you mentioned, Obi Toppin. But like the Knicks made a trade for Cam Reddish, they can't even get him in the rotation right now until they unload guys like Kemba Walker, Alec yeah. Burks, Evan Fournier. And to be honest, I don't have any interest in those guys right now. So yeah. I, it's just the talent that we're going to get back is probably, in a best case scenario, going to be like the first round pick and Isaac Okoro, and like that. That's that's a deal that for me. I'm happy with. So yeah. I, I like I don't have my eyes set on a De'Aaron Fox right now.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, let's take a quick break and we will come back and answer the second part of Mailbag Part One's questions here on Setting the Pace.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo are bringing consumers more choices with less sugar than ever before. From sparkling flavored and bottled waters to zero-sugar sports drinks, teas, and sodas, consumers are taking advantage of these choices. In fact, nearly 60% of beverages sold contain zero sugar. To learn more, visit balanceus.org.
1: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.
2: All right, our next question comes from Matthew Peck, and I've got to give a shout-out to Matthew Peck because he hooked me up with some really good tickets for the Pacers-Clippers game. So, Matthew, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. But this is a really fun question. He said, pick one you agree with the most. One, is Rick doing everything he can, but the team is just that bad? Two, is Rick just doing worse than Nate Bjorkman? Three, did Rick try at the beginning of the season Find out the team didn't work and is now doing stealth tank. Four, Rick never had a chance due to injuries.
3: This is honestly a really hard question to answer because I feel like it's like to some degree like a combination of all of them. Um, For the first one, is Rick doing everything he can? I don't know if he's doing everything he can, but I definitely don't think this team's good. Uh, For number two, is Rick doing a worse job than than Nate uh, Nate Bjorkman? I, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think that the Pacers last year were just. I, I. I don't know. I mean, Nate Bjorkman was just like a madman. I feel like his his personal relationships were horrendous, but the team was better offensively. Um, three. It, did Rick? I would definitely say Rick Carl is not worse than Nate Bjorkman. So I'll say it's not that one. Okay. Uh, process three, of elimination. The process of elimination. Uh, did Rick try at the beginning of the season? Found out the team didn't work. Was now doing a stealth tank. Uh, that's what I'm kind of leaning towards a little bit. I don't think that he's actually tanking, but I think that he tried to make it work, realized these aren't the pieces over here. And I, I feel like it's just like a hey, you know what? You want me to play with these players, I'm gonna play with them, but it's it's evident these they don't fit into what I want to do. And then for number four, look, injuries definitely factor in. I believe he thought he would have TJ Warren in maybe December. Um, he probably hoped for a healthy Brogan. might sound comical. Um, and then he definitely didn't <laughs> expect that Turner would miss this much time. So I probably lean towards choice three.
2: Yeah. Three was my answer to uh, Tried at the beginning of the season, found out the team didn't work and is now stealth tanking I mean, sure. I, I think stealth tanking might be a little bit more dramatic than I think it yeah, actually is, but it's probably the most accurate out of these four, um, you know, but it's interesting. I, I don't really know how you expect this team to be better than, you know, what they are because of how they play together. Like he can't go out there and changes on the roster. Now there are some definite weird rotations and there have been a lot of weird rotations recently. So I don't know if it's Rick just like trying to like throw games or if Rick is really just like, this is the best I got or what, but it's not been pretty, but overall, I, uh, I I think that I'm on board with what Rick's doing because I don't think Rick's this good of a coach to be th- have this Pacers team at this bad of a record.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with you there. It just It This is not like, I feel like I can't just say, like, Rick Carlisle can't coach anymore. It's like, no, these players don't fit with what he wants to do. And we've kind of known for a while we should probably move on. And now I, I think it's very evident that we need to make some changes with this team.
2: Absolutely. Let's move on, Fachi.
3: All right, so coming up next, we have Eric Wenger uh, said, would you like a Turner trade with the Knicks centered around Obi Toppin and Quentin Grimes? Uh, Grimes has looked good recently, shooting 40% from three this year.
2: Yeah, this is a tough question because I actually really like Grimes, and I think that Grimes, like you said, he's been performing well. So shooting 40% from three is something that you really like, and it's just weird because it feels like the young guys on New York really haven't gotten that opportunity to showcase what they can do. Um, I think Obi Toppin's in that same boat. He's a little bit older, obviously, but he just has kind of been buried in this rotation because Tom Thibodeau likes playing veterans. It's just what he does. So I know that there's a lot of talk around, hey, the next one embraces youth movement. So I'm not sure they would give up both Toppin and Grimes for Turner, but I think you're more likely going to get a deal like this done with Toppin and Grimes than you are going to get Toppin and Emmanuel quickly like I've wanted. So, you know, with Turner's injury, with everything is gone, I think if this is one of your better offers, like I said before, I, I think you really just take the deal, move on from Turner, and uh, then you at least have two young players that if they don't work out will probably have better value moving forward just because of their contract situation. So hopefully you can get them to play well and flip them if you don't like them, but hopefully they play well and they're good fits for this team.
3: Yeah, um, you know, I, I want to say the Knicks have some cap flexibility, so I'm wondering if, if we would have to take back Perhaps in our – I would imagine that the Knicks want us to take back like a Kemba Walker or New Orleans Noel because at that oh, point yeah. they, would, they would have Noel, Mitchell Robinson, and Miles Turner, and that's, that's <laughs> a whole lot of guys that are pretty much doing similar things. So uh, obviously Noel and Mitchell Robinson can't shoot like Turner, but those are rim protectors. So anyway, uh, I prefer Kemba if, if it comes down to it due to less years on the contract, but I definitely feel that OB has more to give than what his numbers show. Grimes, I like. I feel like he definitely needs more playing time, and we need shooters. Um, Look, Obi, you're talking about a guy that was a top-10 pick just two years ago, College National Player of the Year. So both players intrigue me. Uh, Look, when it comes down to it, obviously Turner is the bigger name, the more proven player. But if you have an opportunity to get two younger players moving forward and slash some salary over there and kind of build out this rotation a bit, it's pretty intriguing because I know there's some people that are going to be hurt if, if Miles Turner leaves for anything other than this big haul, but one thing I'm going to tell you, the haul ain't coming.
2: Yeah. Would you like uh, Would you do an Alec
3: Burks, Quentin Graham, top Topping trade for Miles Turner? Yeah, I would prefer something like that probably. Burks, Burks. I feel like I, I would rather have Burks than like a Kemba Walker or like a, a Nerlens Noel, when we have other guys there.
2: Yeah, I think you could talk yourself more into Burks too, because he's got three years remaining on his deal at nine and a half million per year. So also, yeah, he's a good player. I think Carlisle would probably utilize him a little bit more uh, in different areas. Obviously, he started some this year for the Knicks, but I also feel like having that like mid salary right there around 10 million dollars you know you're gonna get, get off Jeremy Lamb's contract which is ten and a half so this would almost give you like another option that's probably better than than Jeremy Lamb at this point 30 years old so he's been in the league for a while um, you could still probably move him in the upcoming years as well fodgy so that's kind of where I uh I feel with that but let's move on. Aaron M asks should we prepare should we prepare to be disappointed with trade returns from Miles Turner and Karis Levert
3: I, look, I don't want to be as negative as I was earlier in the episode, but it's just like, look, we could be disappointed. However, it depends what you're looking for, if you're setting yourself up for disappointment or not. In my mind, for Karis LeVert, I'm looking for a first and a young player. If any of those trade scenarios go through that we talked about with Cleveland where you can get an Isaac Okora, a first-round pick, and then some salary cap relief and, like, Ricky Rubio's expiring, guys, that's a good deal. When it comes down to Turner over here, the foot injury may have just killed his value for this year. So you know I, that package for Turner could be a bit disappointing. So I feel like we've seen his trade value lower each year, and each year as I mean, a couple of years ago, I remember when there was a top five pick available for Turner that that you know we ended up not pulling a trigger on, obviously, and then. The Pacers are asking for two first-rounders, which is it's pretty much comical. So at this point, if we can get a first and a young player for both Miles Turner and Karis LeVert, guys, we have to take those deals.
2: Yeah, and I think one thing, let me ask you this, Flash. In terms of Karis LeVert, if the Pacers went to the Cavs, like we talked about and they said we want Ricky Rubio, we want Isaac Okoro, and we want your first-round pick for Karis LeVert and Justin Holiday for salary-filling purposes. If they said no because they don't want to give their first-round pick, would you still do the deal if it got you Isaac Acora?
3: I mean, I probably would, but it would just like to be like, okay, if you can't include Acora, like, is there something that you could include? In, like, do we do we – I mean, are they willing to give up Colin Sexton if they're not going to sign him to a new deal? Like, is there yes. something else that we can get back and roll the dice on?
2: What if they offered both of those second-round picks that they have from Houston and San Antonio?
3: Yeah, I mean, at that point, then I'm doing it. Look, Justin Holiday, great guy. Like, uh, like I know he's happy in Indiana. First real team that really gave him a, a, you know, a multi-year contract and everything. We're going in a different direction than Justin Holiday. We've already traded yeah. his brother. At this point, it's just like you can get two early picks. I know people they hear second round pick and they go, "Ew." Those picks are actually going to be good. Houston, yeah. that that pick could be like. 33 overall um yeah San Antonio's
2: could be high too in the second round yeah that
3: could be like the 37th overall pick or or something like that so those are two really appealing picks and guys I mean look what we did by having a few second round picks we we packaged them together we got Isaiah Jackson we moved to the first round
2: yeah and I think with this year's draft like it's just a big talent gap from like probably like outside the lottery to like 35. Like, I just think there's a lot of like good, not great players in this draft. That's why this draft's not super deep. And I've seen a lot of people that cover the draft talk about that. Like there's good players, but there's not great players in this draft. So that could be enticing to me as well. But, you know, I think overall, if you're able to move Karis LeVar to a guy that doesn't fit very well for an expiring contract in Ricky Rubio and Isaac Okoro, you do the deal whether you get the first round pick or not. I don't think the Pacers love the idea of getting picks as much as we as Pacer fans and fans of the team do prefer because, you Know how many first round draft picks do you really want? Like if we get like three or four first round draft picks in this year's draft, you know, you're not really looking forward to that. <laughs> just because where are you gonna find room to play them at? That's that's the biggest thing in roster spots. So you know, I think that's intriguing, but I would uh, definitely be in I would definitely do that deal if that's what it took, if it even took just holiday, Lavert, and uh for uh, a coro and expiring. I, I think I would do that still just because I believe in a coro that much. But I know some fans might not like that. But in terms of Miles Turner, you know, they might be a little bit disappointed. But I have yet to see Kevin Pritchard make a trade, Fachi, where I feel like he has gotten just completely burned on it.
3: It's true. And maybe that's why the Pacers are so picky because, you know, Pritchard isn't pulling trigger on, on, on a deal that looks like it doesn't benefit the Pacers. And the last few of those deals really have. I mean, the T.J. Warren for cash, I mean – no one can end the 32nd overall pick which also gets slept on there that he got that pick in there i mean yeah. that i mean the, the the return for for paul george at the time looked terrible but in the end you got two really good players i mean the the trade for you know old bringing in lavert and two second round picks i mean he's been on the better end of deals fortunately some of these players have you know sh- struggled with injuries
2: yeah, Fachi. All right, well, let's move on to our last question for this part one of the mailbag. Will you go ahead and read that for us?
3: Yep, we got DJ Davis. He said, why not start Lance Stevenson at point guard? As it's clear, he creates shots for everyone and has some of the best passes on the current roster. Which players want to stay with the Pacers? Sabonis, Turner, LaVert, Holiday, question mark? We should start Lance, Malcolm, Duarte, Jackson, and Sabonis or Turner.
2: Okay, so... um I think part of the reason you're not starting Lance Stevens right now is because he's still not viewed as a long-term part of the of the Pacers, right? You know, you're trying to build up number one Kiris stock, which I think right now it's kind of man, it's not great. So that's why you've seen Kiefer Sachs take a back seat. Um, they're still playing Lance at times because I think he's a better passer, probably, than Kiefer Sachs overall. Just sees the floor a little bit better and can defend bigger positions where Kiefer's kind of stuck on an island because he's so small. But You know, I think that's why you're not starting Stevenson is because you're trying to continue to build up that stock for Karis LeVert and uh, which players truly want to stay. I don't really think Turner really wants to be here, whether he says he does or not. Uh, He's went back and deleted this post. I don't know if Sabonis really wants to be here. I mean, if I was Sabonis, I would really be considering my options once my contract expires, knowing how everything has gone down uh, with just in terms of not having success the last couple of years. Levert, uh, I don't think he wants to be here that much either. I think he would prefer to be on a team that he can be more of a uh, be on a more of a contending team. And then Justin Holiday, I think he wants to be here. I think Malcolm wants to be here. I think Duarte likes being here, and I definitely think TJ Warren likes being here. So um, you know, your idea of starting Lance, Malcolm, Duarte, Jackson, and probably Sabonis here in this case. Yeah, it's not bad for the rest of this season, but it's not a, a roster or a starting five that I want to roll with uh, for the future.
3: Yeah, look, DJ, you're not wrong at all. It's It's been kind of weird how they won't start Lance at all, especially over in games where like Kiefer Sykes is starting, and I feel like they've just preferred Lance off the bench with that second unit. Um, but I understand moving LaVert to point guard when you want to start Duarte with him, but Lance should have had a crack at it too. Um, in terms of truly wanting to stay with the Pacers, I don't think Levert wants to. I-, I feel like he's kind of like, I guess maybe been professional about it, but I feel like he's already kind of looking elsewhere. Um, then also, I feel like with Turner, I mean, Turner, I, I feel like would want to be here if he's going to be the sole center, but I feel like at this point, he kind of wants a-, a bit of a fresh start or a change. Um, haven't heard anything negative from Sabonis not wanting to be here, but I will say I know a couple other fans feel the same way. Did get a little bit nervous once I knew that Sabonis, you know, uh, when he got married, his his wife is from L.A., and you always kind of fear, like, oh, man, is she going to tug him in another direction? Uh But winning affects a lot. If the Pacers are not winning – then Sabonis could want to leave elsewhere, but I don't think he would want to go anywhere until he signs that new deal, and then maybe at that point, who knows? Because you know that that next deal for Sabonis is probably going to be the richest deal in team history. I would imagine, it definitely
2: is. Yeah, I mean that's a big question mark there, Vacha. I'm not ready to talk about that yet, but we know, yeah. um, we know. Like, hey, Sabonis is the number one option here right now. Depending on what they do, I could see Sabonis being like, I want to stay here. But I want the max or I want yeah. something, you know, something high in, in, in value where I don't think other teams, unless it's like a desperate team, is going to be willing to give Sabonis bonus like 30 plus million a year. So especially because that's a position that's like, like I just said earlier in the pod, like not the most prominent position in today's NBA. So it's very interesting. But I think the Pacers will have the leverage with the bird rights and with the ability to pay him more. I think that could keep him here long term.
3: I think he inks that contract. Anything after that, I mean, based on the direction of the team, is is not promised. But yeah. to the last part of the question, Lance, Malcolm, Duarte, Jackson, Sabonis, feels like a very fun starting lineup. Yeah. It's just one that I actually can't really imagine truly seeing. And that would also have to mean that we've traded Levert and Turner or they're hurt. I, I think it's one of those where, like, from a fan perspective, we would love to see that lineup, but I, I just don't think we will.
2: Yeah, I don't even think you need to start this lineup. But if healthy – Run this five out there to see what you got. That'd be fun. Um, I probably would prefer somebody else over Isaiah Jackson just to help spread the floor a little bit because we know Lance and Sabonis can run that pick and roll. You got Malcolm and Duarte out there spreading the floor. Maybe you throw in Justin Holiday there to kind of play a little bit of small ball four. Maybe even O'Shea Brissett. He's a little bit more of a bigger threat there at the four and he can knock down that three, but I think that would be enticing as well. But Faji, that wraps up part one of the mailbag. Can you let the people know? that are listening to this, where they can find us on social media if they aren't already.
3: Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore
2: F-A-C-C-I.
3: You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. And you can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace.
2: And if Jaden Ivey's game winner for Purdue got you excited to see him in a Pacers uniform for next season, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Peace out, Pacer Nation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early,